everybody. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, episode 506, Wexler v. Goodman. Oh my God, Wexler v. Goodman. What does it mean? It was written by Thomas Schnauz. It was directed by Michael Morris. How's everybody doing? I'm Chris McCaleb. I'm one of the editors on the show, though I am not uh, the editor of this episode. That was Skip McDonald. And uh, Kelly Dixon, unfortunately, also not with us today. She's uh, yet again on assignment, and uh, but she she misses everybody and says hello, sends her her regrets. Uh, but we do have the co-creator and showrunner of the show, Peter Gould. Hello, hello. Uh, we're without Vince today again, unfortunately. Um, Where is he, Vince? He make it. It's a great question, and he will be Vince. <laughs> <laughs> He will be Vince! he'll be receiving a strongly strongly I'm not comfortable. Letter. No, it's very well and you you've already heard his voice. You know that scream anywhere. It's the writer of this episode, executive producer of the show, Tom Schnauz. Hello everyone. <laughs> How's it big, going, Tom? My big better call Saul podcast mug. I'm gonna be sipping out of it during this. <laughs> oh, that's yes. great. I don't think this we've is men- for the ASMR fans. I don't know if we've mentioned that that Val Chu, my assistant, and I went to great lengths to create Better Call Saul Insider Podcast mugs. First time we've had any uh, swag of any kind. That's right for the podcast. Hell yeah. yes. it's, it, it's it's exciting. A, it's, a, it's a nice mug. Guess, it's a fantastic yes. mug. Solid it's mug. great and, for and for guests coffee of the, or tea for soup. Like it for it's soup. perfect. Guests of the Better Call Saul podcast stay at the Blaine Motel. <laughs> That's right, the Blaine Hotel. Um, all the topical references that that you are expecting from this podcast, uh, and you just heard her voice. She's the the titular uh, Wexler, Kim Wexler. Hi. It's Ray Seahorn. Hi. How you doing, Ray? Is that the title of this episode? It's, yeah, Wexler v. Goodman. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, I like it. Thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks for having me. You've been me. all over the place. You, I Your have? hair is back to uh, oh, right. I a was hair color that, last time that I think we, we were all know about. Talking. I got to do a lovely I mean, film in the Hudson Valley. I've seen pictures. i see oh, pictures okay. online. Your pictures are the best on oh, Instagram. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, and finally today, in the guest chair... Uh, returning to the podcast, it's director Michael Morris. Hello. 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 Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me I'm glad me you back. came all the way back. Uh, we don't record these on the same day. Definitely not. So we didn't <laughs> literally just record the 503 the fact podcast. That, 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 the, the fact that Ray Seahorn may or may not have appeared at the end of the last podcast has nothing yeah. to has do with, is a pure coincidence no. that, the there was, that she's here for this one. The, or a previous podcast. You, you, a previous if it even made it into the podcast, you won't have heard it, but you will have felt the energy and the dance kind of good times. Correct. Uh, That's what I bring to set. And of course, as always, on the wheels of steel, you know him as the father of twins, <laughs> Joey Reinish. Hi, Chris McCaleb. Hello. And Joey, you had, a, you had a lot to do with this episode, and we'll get into that. But let's just dive into this action-packed, huge episode. Okay. Tom? Yes. Oh, how did this come about? No, I, I, it's so this is the first time we've ever gone back in time with Kim. We, you know, and I don't know why it landed in this episode. I think because of the ending of the episode, it sort of felt right to to set up a, you know, a young Kim Wexler and some things in her past and how it may have inf- informed her decision at the very end of the episode. Had you been talking about going back with Kim forever? Yeah, because we've 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 done. Jimmy, we've done Young Chuck, and it just felt, I mean, Kim is a major 
character in the show. We, we've been talking about it when it's the right time, and this mm. it just sort of felt right now. There's uh, there's no scientific method to why now. It just it was just a gut feeling for for all the writers. It's it's a struggle going back in time with these characters. Actually, is not that straightforward. At least in my book, um, I love the movie Broadcast News, mm-hmm. but Broadcast News the one. It's something I don't want to duplicate because broadcast news starts with a sequence which works in broadcast news, but the sequence is all the three characters as children, basically the three main characters, William Hurt, Albert Brooks, Holly Hunter, as children, and they're all exactly the way they are Mm. as adults. And it's really fun, and it gives you... It's a great introduction for that movie, but it also... It goes... It's exactly the opposite of the premise of this show Mm -hmm. because the premise of this show is that people uh people change and that they have they have um they're not just reacting to their surroundings they have choices about the way they react to the things that happen in their lives and so you know a lot of our ideas for kim 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 young kim scenes basically revolved around the idea that she was exactly the same person as a, as a, as a child or as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, well, if you're going to say somebody's the same person, especially if you've had already, you know, whatever, 50, 55 episodes with this, with this character, how useful is it to say, Oh, she was always like this. Um, so I, 45, 45, 45. Uh, Well, we will someday. So embarrassing. Oh, I know. Tom and I were hive mind doing math. We were communicating (laughs) telepathically. There you go. Good job. Good job on, good job on the numbers. Uh, no, I, and you're. And Whereas you got, I just dis- accept. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a yes and you guys, kind of person. Yeah. It's like on our yes 112th episode, I'm like yes. Yeah. 112. Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, I, I, for me, the thing that intrigued me about this wasn't just that Kim is the same person, but what her circumstances growing up were, and it, and it kind of it kind of calls back to her uh, discussion with Acker. Uh, in mm-hmm. episode episode five hundred three, where she talks about her upbringing, mm-hmm. um, and you and I, a lot of people at the time asked, "Is she just putting? Is she trying to scam Acker mm-hmm. by right. making up things from her childhood?" Right. And I always felt strongly that she wasn't uh, BSing Acker. I felt the same. Uh, but but now we find out that there's at least a grain of truth to what she said to him, right. and I thought it was so powerful that she said that to somebody who's more or less a stranger. Uh, right. And, and we've never heard her say anything like that to Jimmy. No. No. I mean, I, I mean, and I also remember, I think both of you talked to me about flashbacks in previous seasons and toying with that idea. And I thought it was interesting that you were explaining to me that you, there's the danger is to uh, over explain or oversimplify somebody who is enigmatic. Um, that sometimes a flashback can ruin that as well. So I thought the fact that it was kept pretty minimal was great. Yeah. Um, For me, what was important about this teaser was what we didn't see after what happens when mm-hmm. she rejects her mother and her mother drives off in anger. We never see the mom on the show. It's never, she's never discussed between Jimmy and Mm-mm. Kim. So I feel like something, no prior in, to this, she's only brought up her dad, actually something in the, her relationship with her mother and the way they went at each other again, helping inform what happens at the end when she says, maybe we should get married. Spoiler alert. I'm sure everybody's seen the, episode by now i hope so if you're listening to this podcast having not <laughs> yeah watched i the have so please uh, what are you doing what are you doing please help us out here yeah that wouldn't be smart that maybe being hardline was not the way to go maybe being hardline with her mom 
cause some ri- unrepairable rift and maybe she finds another way to go with Jimmy. It just, you know, it's all very ambiguous and nothing set in stone, but the, just oh, for me, that's what I was thinking when we wrote the episode. Yeah, I hadn't locked onto that, but that's but I do think that uh, that is a very valid takeaway. I, it spoke to me, I think a, a, I'm not the only one in the writers room who grew up I don't know if this is something we we don't talk that much about our biographies on this or even in the writers room, but you know, I, I a lot of us grew up with um I would say unreliable parents. Mm-hmm. Um and it changes you. Uh it, it helped me. It helped me yeah, there's a, there's a lot. I don't even want to unpack this, frankly, because it's because it, I think there's a lot to be said here, and I, I I hate when when people nail down too much the, the the psychology of the characters or try to attribute everything to biography because I don't sure. believe I don't believe character is just biography. I believe there's more to no, it. Than no, yeah, no, we don't no. have to I be mean, ruled by like what happened. But yeah. I have and to I feel say, like those are major themes on the show. It's yes. innate versus innate behavior. Yes. You know. Yeah. Oh wow, you're that's well said. I also want to. I don't want to slip past the uh, Katie Beth Hall who Amazing. plays Kim oh. and Beth Hoyt who They're plays her mom. Phenomenal. So, I didn't go. I didn't want to make them um, feel strange with me standing there watching them, but I I went to go meet them before Patrick Fabian did watch it and came over. Sorry, came over to me and said, "The mom <laughs> clear uh, is." has a way of speech patterns and walking that remind and gestures that remind me of you when you're playing Kim. It's crazy. And he asked her about it and she said she did it on purpose. She studied and studied and studied me. That's And then Tom, you were saying that she, she still has traces of an accent though, uh, the real life actress from in the Midwest, right? And he said yeah. marrying those things together made it seem like Kim probably used to speak a little more like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just fascinated by that. That's incredible. And young Isn't Kim. Cool? Yeah. Young Kim as well. Katie. Yes. Yeah. She, she I mean, just to, to follow up very briefly on what you guys were all talking about earlier about this scene, I, I think it's it's a magic trick what you pulled off in this scene because you're opening the episode in in possibly the most elliptical way you can open an episode. We're in a place we've never been, looking at a person we've never seen, about to meet another person we've never seen. At no point in the scene does she announce herself as young Kim Wexler. Um, At no point does anybody do any sort of attempted wrap up in speech and dialogue to sort of help us out with where we are. We see glimpses of things that we may or may may not register and yet, you tell us it's a it's a short film, really. I mean, that's how I approach it as a director. It's a, it's a short film because you know nothing about this person. Whether we pick up on the fact that it's young Kim Wexler, that just is a that just enhances the experience. This is about a a, a, a girl waiting in a cold place, holding a cello and a backpack, mm-hmm. and her mother finally coming, and something's amiss, and she's just in a quiet way had enough. You know, and she says, and when she says, I'm going to walk, she means it. And that's really, that's what the, the, the scene is, is, is to me. And it, it, it's, it's a perfect, it's a perfect little scene. I mean, whether you notice that it's Nebraska, whether the fact that it's Nebraska in the life cycle of the show is important or not, um, is, is interesting and fabulous and, and is there to be discovered. Once you know that it's Kim Wexler, perhaps you go back and watch it again and see if you can spot all those things that... Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's it's a, it's it's this little beautiful story that just casts a sort of atmospheric shadow over the over the rest 
of the episode. And of course, we then go right to another young character on screen. Uh, well, <laughs> I, don't, amazing. I don't want to go past the teaser too fast because yeah. we, we gave you as a director a in July or June, July, a winter scene at night with a <laughs> underage actress. Uh, this is How true. difficult was that, this was is that to deal with? Yes, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> uh, and by the way, yeah. you know, our production our production folks who are great and have to ask questions like this kept saying, "Is there any way to do this during the day? Is there any way we could reset this scene Thank God as we, a day as a daytime yeah, scene?" Michael and yeah. everybody stuck to their guns and said, "Well, this should be at night." Well, you know what? What happened? Just, uh, just uh, I want to hear what Michael said, but I will say what what happened was they they heard me. I started thinking, uh, in ter- I started pitching them ideas about using uh, giant green screens and and all kinds of digital trickery. And as soon as that happened, um, our, uh, our our brilliant line producer for the season, uh, Princess Nash, she immediately found another way that didn't involve just kind of bending the rules of bending the world and making it a making what should be a very simple seeming scene uh into a big giant uh post-production piece and i'm really grateful for that well this um like all the most sort of simple scenes it was it was really not simple at all you know tom said here we are in new mexico in in one of the hottest summers that you know i've I've been in and it had to be snowy nebraska at night um (laughs) summer summer in new mexico is is the longest days Mm -hmm. almost i think the longest day might have happened while we were shooting yeah you didn't get to start shooting until 9 30 yes and we had to wait till full dark and and with an actress who is you know quite rightly by law not had allowed to be to, out by midnight you had to be out by, by midnight um not to mention oh it was period we had a period traffic yeah, i didn't know that i and thought it was just limited hours no, and we also had to have um, stunt performers because we needed to have a you know the scene involves uh driving a car next to somebody so mm-hmm. uh, an actor driving a car next to an actor at night unfamiliar car from the 19 early 1980s late 70s uh, so all of these conspired to mean that we had to shoot everything twice. Um, we had to create all the conditions for the snow, obviously. Uh, we had to wait till it was full dark before we could do it. But that, you know, all of these are the things that you do. I mean, none of these things, are, I don't think of, I mean, I, I, there'll be producers you know, <laughs> who know me who will now be slapping their heads because I don't see these things as, as, as problems. They're just the things we need to do to get our work done, you know. Mm. Um, I don't know that it's, I mean, very, very occasionally, once in 65 times, someone will say, someone whose job it is to say things like, can this be daytime, will say, can this be daytime? And, and you'll go, yeah, actually, it could be daytime. Right? Yes. But, but for, oh, we do that quite a few yeah. times this season. <laughs> yeah. I will say, we switched a lot of night today because for this very reason. Right, but, and yeah, I think there were some other scenes I, that, that, that where they were switched. I feel like the scene in the warehouse yeah but anyway the um but for this one when you say no this is the entire purpose of the scene is that it's night mm-hmm. you know the entire loneliness the whole picture of it you know, and the vulnerability for everything child and uh, yeah and yeah. walking at night at you know in the cold mm-hmm. uh the darkness that comes with night i mean the fact i mean to me i wouldn't want to shoot it in daytime anyway anyway all which is to say the spoiler alert is we shot it everyone did did, did amazing work to, to make it possible and in the end, hopefully, it looks like none of those things were were, were particularly difficult. Yeah, fa- we did a, a ama- yeah. you did an amazing. Job. We shot it over two days, though. It should be worth that. Was that was the yeah. that was the yeah. trick, and it meant 
admit the schedule for this episode was was uh, a very tricky one because mm-hmm. you had to go back. Usually, we only want to you want to shoot every location out mm-hmm. if you can. We essentially and you had, to, had go to, back. to cut another scene in order to work. Yeah, well, that's right. The schedule. That's right. But it, I don't think it hurts the episode. Actually. It was worth it. Well, speaking of worth it, uh, let's talk about this Mesa Verde commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and and every iteration of, yes, exactly. <laughs> Talk a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, the casting of uh, Kevin Wachtel's father. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and then also uh, uh, the decisions that were made about how to actually shoot this commercial. Well, this vintage huge, commercial. You know, again, Bob Odenkirk, Mr. Show, and Jay Johnson. Is a part. It was a part of that show, and and part of one of my favorite sketches of all time, which is the uh, the story of Everest. And if you haven't seen it, please go on YouTube and and look it up because it is hysterical. I think or, it's hysterical. Or HBO Go. Or HBO Go. Um. So I mean, and he auditioned. I think he. We didn't just say let's give it to Jay. I mean, he auditioned, and he he. It's good. Know, make him sweat. That's right. Smart. <laughs> and he, he he was great in his audition, and and so you know. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. In fact, I think he wrote the story of Everest. I think Bob yeah, told me, I told think me you're that. Right. Oh, yes. right. And it's it's a he is a, he's just he's just funny, funny and real. It's a very we never want to break the reality of the show, but he's just funny and real both at the same time. And and, and we had the idea every once in a while on the show we shoot film. Uh, because of course, this commercial, as, as it took, it was shot. It was supposed to be seventies, right? Nineteen seventies. Seventies. So we go from uh, Kim in whatever whatever time that was, and then to the early 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 seventies. Um, and I think part of the reason we wanted the scene, and tell me if you agree, Tom, is it, it was about Kevin's connection to his dad. That's right. That this was his this was his his in order to make his the later scam that Jimmy pulls off work to just show. I mean, every you know. It wouldn't be hard to show that Kevin loves his dad, but I, this was a way of just, you know, putting it in concrete. <laughs> just, mm. Now, what? How did you? How did you? How, can you talk about uh, Michael? Yeah. How you? How we shot it, and or you shot it? And, so you yeah. shot what it was on it, film. Just, we did, and we did. Michael so gets actually, to shoot all the film. In I did. This the, show. I, I got to shoot the, on film <laughs> in, in the season four too. Was That's fantastic. right. Uh, Sixty-seven. I think we were we were thinking that the, 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 that right. it was. Yeah. Um, so we we had we by we I mean all, all of us um, uh, who were prepping on this and particularly uh, Tom Peter and, and and Marshall our cinematographer we talked about different types of film that it it it, it could be uh, we knew we were going to shoot film we knew it was it was probably going to be a sixteen millimeter film uh, I know we looked at eight millimeter even um, to see. Uh, although I think that ultimately proved too much like home movie to to work, but the level—it's a perfect little uh, example. Of and that the, was all during prep. You tested out. The yeah, so, so there were there were tests. We we yeah, shot right? tests. Camera tests. We oh yeah, the, but but I remember um, having a fabulous meeting in, in in Peter's office or here at the offices, where Peter was able to talk so fascinatingly about the kind of film stock. That would have been used in commercials of that era versus the film stock that wouldn't, and whether 16 millimeter huh. reversal film was the right stock versus regular 16 millimeter or Good super God. 16. <laughs> I, and and because of that, I, I don't know if this will ever make the final cut of this podcast, but really <laughs> briefly, like it's a perfect. There's an email that I found 
uh, where, I mean, I won't read the whole thing, but it's like, we can process all four types of films that we discuss, we're going to test. 8mm reversal, 8mm negative, 16mm reversal, 16mm negative, uh, with, uh, with two colorists on two separate systems, the Nucoda system, the Resolve system. They're applying various colors of grain, film dirt, degradation. Um, we, we are processing this thing at a specific facility, one of the only facilities that can that can do this. Um, we shot test footage. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite shots that would, will never be, if, 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 if there is a DVD extra section still in life, can we tr please try and find the, the test footage that the camera crew did of Marshall driving in his brand new Tesla shot on <laughs> eight millimeter reversal stock? Yeah. It just feels like it's uh, out of time. Um, Anyway, long story short, I, we, we all got on the same page as, as we do about what this wants to be. And, and I think um, uh, not seeing the forest, the, the, the trees, but trying to see the forest, it was about trying to capture a certain type of homespun quality to this, a certain type of awkwardness um, that you find in these things without leaning, too, leaning heavily on it enough so that it's fun to watch, without leaning on it too heavily that, it, that, that it's all you see. Uh, the casting was um, fantastic. Uh, we spent a long time casting, uh, you know, young Kevin, and I, I, I love him a great deal. And my, my favorite shot of the sequence is when they're waving to the guy on the horse, and we basically just turn them around. We didn't change direction with the camera, just basically turn them around in place. And it's just, it just <laughs> works. We, just works. We turn them around in place, perfectly. which which at first glance, it's a blink and you miss it. At first glance, you're like, oh, okay. And then you realize, oh, wait a second. The fence is in the same place. The sun's coming from the same direction. This doesn't feel right. It, just, it feels like an old time yeah. lazy commercial right, trick right. that they. I feel like there are very few people who are going to even pick up on that one. I love it. Yeah. Like, even if you don't know what's going on, somehow you watch it and it's just, it's just funny. As you know, as as a lover of film, it just drives me crazy when I see people uh, do shortcuts or make something that doesn't really look old. And I not not to, it's sixties is bad enough, but I, I see a lot of fake silent movies, mm -hmm. oh, and and people, it, it seems like people have never watched or really watched a real silent movie. All they've watched is satires hmm. of silent movies. And it's just it drives me crazy. About the it, it drives me crazy stock? when someone. It's not just the film stock. It's the 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 way things are shot and mm -hmm. the presentation mm. and the the lighting. And it's just it's um and it, the great thing about one of the fun things about my job is that you just get to kibitz in everybody else's job. And, <laughs> and, and uh, so that's that's really so I get to, I get to throw my two cents in or learn learn from everybody. Uh, and this was uh. And it's. I think it's our crew really enjoys it when they uh, when they when we pull out one of these crazy things. It's one of the things I found. You would it, it, the people who make films or who make a TV show love crazy challenges. Mm. Well, this uh, th this was a crazy challenge. Um, not just because I mean, film stock is the fun part, um, and the, we were in New Mexico. The landscape was perfect this actually was not far from the studio so it wasn't even like we had to trek miles and miles to do this the the hard part was that we needed to capture on film the horse rearing back mm -hmm. in a certain such a way that you could basically uh and it was very important to the storyline of the episode that that, that this could be traced directly back to a picture that we that, that we had to also take of a horse rearing back in a certain way which we took on the same day that had itself had to match almost perfectly 
the illustration of the horse rearing back <laughs> in the Mesa Verde logo. Uh, uh, something that we certainly know because it's like 400 feet high in the, in the lobby of the, uh, of the building and is on every... Uh, every. Now, the problem there, from, from this director's point of view, is that that logo was designed before this scene was conceived. And, uh, and as soon as our very best people started looking at it, and test shots were taken and overlaid one on top of it, it became clear that actually that's not what horses do. <laughs> <laughs> they don't rear that way. In fact, when, and, and worse, actually the biggest mismatch uh, that we, we had to contend with, and you know, these things are amazing because they get solved and it's fantastic that they get solved. But we realized that when a horse rears back, the cowboy who's riding the horse, his spurs and his boots, it's impossible to see them underneath the, the body mm -hmm. of the horse. Mm. Unless he had legs, you know, four times longer than, than, than human legs. It looks perfect in the illustration. But in life, you'd never see it. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that you really see mm -hmm. in that illustration. So we worked long and hard about trying to, <laughs> trying to match this logo. Well, yeah, when they created that photo, they really, they really pieced it together. They took different photos and yeah. made a horse, a cowboy on a yeah. horse that matched the Mesa Verde logo in a yeah. very interesting way. Well, it, huh? It's an interesting, and I'm just going to nerd for a second. It's an interesting thing, though, is equestrian, equ equ equestrian sculpture. You know, which is a whole genre of of, of sculpture. The it's always fake. That it's something that 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 uh, the proportions of the human being on top of the horse are always cheated. And yeah. this goes back to, to, rena to renaissance. Yes, because mm. most really a, a person who's a normal height on top of a horse, their legs end up looking kind of short. Right. If sure. you do it, if you put it in a sculpture. And also most sculptures, especially grand sculptures, are meant to be viewed mm. from below. So, right. so we're in a great tradition here. That's all I'm trying <laughs> oh, to <yeah>. say. <laughs> well, and Joey, wasn't there, there was another, I remember uh, having not worked on this particular episode, but I know there was another production and post-production and technical hurdle where was it these commercials or was it Jimmy's version of these commercials that had to be turned around like overnight that was that was oh, Jimmy's so that we could version. play Jimmy's, them when we shot yeah that room. was that, yeah. that was another mm. talk 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 a little bit about that process because and then getting into that unbelievable scene where Jimmy comes in and completely sandbags Kim <laughs> Well, that was worst um, boyfriend asshole. that there is. Well, he's trying to make her dream come true. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's got to listen to her. She says, "Shut it down." <laughs> so, how did you turn them around that fast? That was that was Skip. Skip worked with Peter and Tom, oh, nice. and they they got the dailies. And I want to say by the end of that day that we got them, uh -huh. there was already a cut going out because. Not only did Skip and these guys have to pick the takes and assemble them, they had to go downstairs for some of the all the Animation. cheesy graphics mm -hmm. work, like tuning in on or into Jimmy's very specific brand of bad uh, character generation stuff and on those videos. It, it takes a little bit of finessing because like the people downstairs aren't working with this outdated technology that we're saying that they're working with. So getting the right level of oh right crappy. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's hard. It's when you're when you're used to trying to make something look perfect. Right. Yeah. It's really it's a challenge to make it look bad on per but perfectly bad. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they they hammered back and forth on versions of those, and then we shipped them back out to Albuquerque so they could use them as. Playback. Like tomorrow, right? Like the yeah. next day. It was that, very, very soon. Which was after, so yeah, appreciated yeah. because many times then that scene where those things appear, you're 
told as an actor, like, well, it's going to be here, and they just show you a screen or something, and they're right. like, we're going to put it in later. But to be able to react to it, not just that, and some people will obsess about this. I, I differ that that desperate need to see, like, I'm going to get the actor's reaction to it the actual real first time. Like, that's great, <laughs> but that's one take, and it's like, we still got to keep doing this. More than that, I think it was the length at which these things go on requires its own narrative from all of us that's, that are reacting to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael would have been stuck calling out these moments uh, in, in chronological form because we, we can't just guffaw with one gaping <laughs> face yeah. the whole time. Like There has to be some progression and story to that as well. So it was very, very helpful to have him there. Now, Joey, you cut that scene, that I whole did. sequence. What, what? How did that happen? Bravo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, did uh. Skip? I mean, I know. I mean, since you <laughs> turned your back on me and you left me to go work with Skip, <laughs> um, great choice, by the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Really smart. Move. I, don't, I don't regret oh, a thing. Yes, it's been really uh, good. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible betrayal. Um, how did that happen? How did you come to cut what is the? Like sort of this uh, in, in many ways. Well, in, in an episode with multiple centerpieces, I mean, it, it's the center centerpiece. Uh, dumb luck for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I had cut uh, bits of acts one and two already. Hadn't done an act three, and it just so happened to fall on this episode. Um, it's like, oh, this is this is a short act. It's only three scenes. That's not too bad. <laughs> and then. <laughs> was getting to the awesome. dailies for uh, uh, this uh, conference room scene and just I kept pushing it off I was like I'll, I'll do this one last and mm. I think all in it probably took two and a half days to get the first cut of it um, is that short or long I wouldn't know usually um, I can't speak for Chris um, but you can stay pretty close to up to camera following behind uh the previous day's work mm-hmm. so um i can't remember michael was it more than one day yeah were you this guys was another there? scene that we shot over two days actually. two days yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so two and a half days doesn't two seem, and a half, yeah. doesn't seem bad two and a half doesn't seem bad that's yeah. incredibly fast especially yeah. considering uh, and ray i think i don't remember if we were even recording the, that you were just you were saying when we were refreshing what this episode was about how many different points of view Right. Are in that scene. So many points of view. Yeah. So many points of view. And and so many people doing double talk and triple talk um, (laughs) of like what's actually being said versus the cover. Absolutely. So this was an example of a scene that I drew out beforehand Um, because, yes, there's a lot. I I think um, in conventional, in a, you know, in, in, in in a true and sort of a conventional way there's a there's tons of people looking at everybody so you so the camera in a way can be anywhere uh, or needs to be anywhere it's the only time you use three cameras too yeah right? we did have three cameras oh that's right because we were in an you know we were in an open room and we felt like there was going to be there, there were going to be opportunities to 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 do that kind of um, reaction work that we would need to get from different perspectives but in a way there's only really two points of view in the scene and that's why hmm. That's why, in my mind, it was important from the beginning, and I think it ended up this way that um, everyone's everyone on Kim's team, as it were, team Mesa Verde, is, is arranged on one side of the table and uh, and at the head of the table, and Jimmy comes in and sits in the middle. So um, the clear picture is Jimmy's a, a team of one, and and everyone else is a team of many. But actually, where he's sitting is right opposite Kim, because so much of this scene, and I think this is is so beautifully cut together as well 
so much of the scene exists privately between the two of them. As public a scene as this is, one of the most showmanship-like scenes, you know, th- mm-hmm. that I've done with him, and there have been a few, he's absolutely playing the part, you know, almost aggressively playing this part in this scene mm-hmm. for his own reasons, complicated, great reasons. But really what's happening is there is an, an un, one of my favorite shots in, in the whole, it's a very modest little shot. It's just a shot of, of Ray as she looks up and she's been trying to communicate, as it appears to me anyway, trying to communicate to him in a couple of words and as many looks as she can, stop this, yes. please stop this. And there's a moment when she gives up, mm. when she just realizes that he's not gonna stop. And that little shift, which is a very simple shot, it's not a fancy shot, um, I, I, in terms of listening to the script when it talks to you, that, that to me was like, I worked backwards from that. Because yes, it gets complicated. He gets up and around and then there's, he, he's showing them the, the film and yeah, we need to get everybody watching the film and we need to, the, there are some really fun stuff I knew we could get with the projector and you know, the, the, the projection of the, the film on, on him and on the, on the, on the picture. And the photo. Yeah, all that was- And, Ke- was, and Kevin's outrage. And that's absolutely a point of view. So that you can scene. do that other scene where he decides to do what he does. Oh, the whole episode is in a way pegged to that. So right. that's extremely important storytelling. Emotional storytelling really exists to me between these, t- bet- between these two, knowing where we were going to get to in the, in, right. in the episode. Right. Um, all of which is to say, uh, when the scene is constructed, I think from, from, from script up that clearly that this is a, an active betrayal it's a sort of counterpoint in a way to this, the, the, the Kim Jimmy scene that started, you know, earlier on in the episode where she comes to she comes to the nail salon and he's flying. He's loving it. Mm. And she just says, we've got to stop. Mm-hmm. And it's just the two of them. And behind them is all the, the, you know, the act, action and activity of this thing, you know, winding down. We've got to stop. And there's this it's a quiet moment between them. But I found that that very moving. And I think that's this is almost the, the payback or payoff of that. Here, please stop. So you construct it around like you look at the scene and think like that's the that's the nugget there. And that, I know the scene around that. It's not that that's the only thing at all. That's not what I'm saying. But to me, what I know that exists, and if I know it exists, mm. I know that I'm going to want to get it. And if I'm going to want to get that, then I'm going to want a, a, a really good eyeline between them that is not complicated and that is that is apparent. Right. And from there, that opens other things up too and 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 the beauty of all this is that you know put put four directors you know in a room with that scene you're going to get four different approaches to it and they're all going to show you different things um but i i I was really happy with with how this came out and really happy with how you you put it together really impressive there's so many it's hard to know until you've actually been in the editing room with the amount of footage that we are able to get with actors who are on every take yeah. it's very mm-hmm. difficult to it's like a little bit like um you know it, it's like sort of reassembling a, a, a game of go or something with just pebbles do you yeah. know what i mean like you, you can go in any other direction and 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 you, i'm always impressed with the editorial team about how you make choices how you make choices how you decide that 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 you know for your first assembly because of course we all then edit together mm-hmm. But it's important for people to understand that, that, that these editors are given hours upon hours of takes and reactions. Yeah, if you're sitting at home and watching the episode, look at the number of shots, realize that the majority of those shots were shot for the entire duration of the scene, probably. Mm-hmm. So you have a 
five minute scene? How long is the scene? Right. I, I don't even know. It's a very long scene. It's so you, six and change. Six and change. So you have a camera rolling for six and change for the entire scene. So you have all of that footage to study as an editor, mm-hmm. figure out where you want to be in the story. Um, and then there are multiple takes. So you have, I mean, it's just, right. it's just the, 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 the amount of footage you guys have to go through is The, is the crazy number of setups sometimes. we do compared to other shows because it's a visual style that you guys established. I never realized till I was working on this and then watching TV at home, other shows, and you realize how many times that camera has moved and what went into that and the assembly of that storytelling is, it's remarkable. And then sometimes there, there are times where we shoot an awful lot of setups and then we end up using one yeah. or two. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's an interesting it's this well, is so hard to talk it, this is something I struggle with all the time because it's so hard to talk about post production and the amount of creativity that goes into post production without making it sound like somebody did something wrong on the set because <laughs> mm, some of what you're yeah. doing some of it, it, it sometimes it presents itself like uh, it's a problem. But the problem is often in this scene, especially in something somebody said already, is that everybody is so good. This is, I think, maybe the the secret of a great scene because if you look at the, if you look at the group of actors in that scene, you have Ray, you have Bob, we talk, but then then you also have you also have Kara Pifko, who is mm-hmm. so great. Just she is She's so she Kara uh, and Rex Lynn Love. and and uh, and Keiko and she Dennis. Is. And Dennis Putzakaris. Amazing. And any of these <laughs> folks, by the way, I think any of these folks could carry their own show easily. One hundred percent. Easily. And they are but they are all in there and they're they're just great. They're just great. And you could cut to any one of them and play the entire scene. You could play yeah. the entire scene on Dennis. And Dennis, I think, only has a couple of lines in this in the scene. And and with all these actors, I'm so happy whenever we've got any of them because I know they're just going to bring it, and they're going to bring something that that surprises and delights me in every one of these scenes. So right. it's a, but it's, it's a, a yeah. it's a tall order for for all of these guys because it's a lot to ask to play what is essentially a slowly unfolding car crash right. involving <laughs> realization mm-hmm. that it, it can't get any worse. It's somehow getting worse, it's somehow getting worse, uh, and even worse than that. And that is a very difficult thing to play. And accepting that you can't, because of the script, you cannot get up and actually shut it, it off. No, no, you can't. You can't so do any of those things. So figure out why you're not shutting yeah. it off. I mean, for me, it was because she was trying to maintain some veneer of professionalism. But and everyone else can, in that room had to three-dimensionalize yeah. their character of why, why, do, what am I doing while I sit here? And <laughs> that kind, of, that kind of reaction is hard to do once because it's you know, like you were saying, oh, you get it on the first take. That's amazing. Try doing it all day right <laughs> and then coming back the next, next day, day and then yeah. doing it and up through lunch yeah. mm-hmm. and and uh, and each one of those takes on every one of those actors has to be uh, game day ready it has to be available to be used you mm-hmm. know um right. and so it was really it, it was a it was pretty fun to to see it but to you know do you actually have directed the show tom peter michael do you guys almost always walk away like if given any amount of money and any amount of time wishing you could do more footage of the scenes or are you generally satisfied? No, I always want more. I always walk away thinking, oh, I didn't get this or that. Yeah, that I, I feel like to most do. directors would always do one more if they could. Yeah, and it's just, it's just. And as actors, because the editing often room, want one more take. <laughs> it's, it's really, I mean, it's hard to describe because you just don't know. 
yeah, you see, you're watching the monitor, and you're like, oh, that's great. But sometimes you get in the editing room, it's like, oh boy, this is not working for some reason. This hmm. this this cut is not matching up with this cut. But so it's just about for me, I, you know, I panic a little bit and try to over <laughs> overcover cover. and just want to you know cover my base. And he goes right. with, sitting with Peter, and he's and if he's not happy, and I'm like, oh no, my God, what do I do? <laughs> what, <laughs> how do we how do we work our way <laughs> out right. of this? I mean, uh, and the, it's and just then, like you just want more coverage, so you just have options for the editors right. to say, "Well, this is not working, but we have this over here." And boy, this plays great just in this one shot. It the whole scene plays. It's like, right. oh, fantastic! And it's always, it's always, it, yeah. There's always discoveries that you make mm -hmm. in post. I mean, that's the no matter how perfectly you've, 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 you've you know, you think you've visualized everything. Uh, I always want, I always want more. The thing that makes me feel better about it, though, is that every great director I've worked with. Uh, beginning with the person I always think about is uh, is Michelle McLaren, uh, who is is, uh, is just such a fantastic filmmaker. And 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 just talking to her at the end of a day, you oh, all you ever hear is is how she didn't get this, she didn't get that. Oh, yeah. If this is not going to work, that's not going. And then you watch the you watch it when it's put together, and it's just it Brilliant. blows your mind. So uh, if 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 uh, I think the truth is. Whether people admit it or not, everybody, it's art. It's, you know, we're all insecure. And, and by the way, if you look at anything from the wrong angle, you can take any piece of art and take it apart. This is, mm -hmm. I know it's a surprise. It's always a surprise when you're in your, in your 20s, or at least it was for me, uh, that I suddenly, when, in my 20s, I knew everything about film. Uh, and uh, and I could I could tell you what was wrong with every movie that I saw. Uh, I think I think of uh, I think of Josh. I think of I think of well I think I of, I, movie I, I, was, with you. I was more up, upbeat. I was more upbeat. But if you know Josh Fadum's character, uh, you know camera guy. Camera guy is a proper a proper depiction of a film student. Uh, and well, I don't even know I don't even know where I was going with that. Yes. But let's just let's just leave let's just leave it right there. It does take I think it does. I think in probably in everything but it does take a little bit of time and maybe like a teaspoonful of wisdom or whatever to move from finding things that are wrong about everything to finding things that are right about everything hmm. you know yeah my whole philosophy of directing is all in that one scene with Bob directing the actor <laughs> where it's just a <laughs> string of contradictions <laughs> thrown away but with feeling yeah uh, it's like, it's like you, I hate you because you used, you now used every phrase that I know. That I know. There's cute cars, but don't look at them. But if you're, they're there if you need them. But this is all this confusing. But look it's at like, me. Yeah. Yes, I've had those directors in my lifetime. By the way, you mentioned Josh uh, Fadum. Just uh, lest it be uh, ignored. Anybody, uh, if you have the chance to hear Josh Fadum do Werner Herzog <laughs> yes. uh, as classic cartoons. He's usually narrating um, Little Rascals. Little Rascals. <laughs> as, 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 as Werner Herzog. Uh, that's that's one, of, one of the great, another, let's it's do so a DVD good. extra. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Good stuff. Mm. Uh, I know, I know. Josh and Julian and Haley are just I very happy to have them. They're, so they're, they're wonderful. I'm so happy. Every, and by the way, Josh, I know it's, uh, we're talking about other TV shows. He is so great in On Becoming a God in Central Florida. Uh, he he is I, I that that I've really I really enjoyed the first season of that show, and he is he is a highlight. He is great. I mean, and speaking of highlights, and I know we're going to run out of time, but we got to talk about that last scene, uh, the scene that even at the script level made some of us run up to the writers' room and say, "You got to tell us what happens next," because. <laughs> 
Uh, you can't fucking oh, really? leave us with, or we get married. That's where you're leaving us. And, yeah. and, and uh, that, I mean, that scene is a powerhouse. It's a and, and I know Diane Mercer, uh, our, our uh, who is our post guru and who is a co EP on the show. She actually had a question. She couldn't be here today. Mm. Um, she had a question. She has for, my phone number for you. <laughs> she had to wait for the podcast. This is not a question for you, Ray. No, it, oh, it, I think it, well, it's, it's more it it's more for for uh, for Michael, but it, it is for both of you. Um, she wanted to know when was the decision made to shoot cross coverage. Uh, in the shooting of the scene, was it due to time constraints, or was it something that you talked about with the actors? And can like you explain what cross coverage is? Uh, yes, cross coverage. So oftentimes, uh, when you're shooting a scene, I, I would say not not always, because there's always interesting new ways to do it. But oftentimes, you'll you'll shoot over the shoulder of one actor, the other over the shoulder of the other actor back. Uh, each of these, uh, obviously, in different directions, and so. Uh, Oftentimes what you'll do when you shoot with two cameras, as, as we do on the show, is you'll shoot two different shots pointing the same direction, so that the, the, which is called a setup, because the lighting is set up in such a way that it, it's, it's right for that direction. Um, and that is usually the, 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 the way it's done, partly because, especially when shows have a beautiful look and style, you want to make sure that that light is consistent and, uh, and isn't compromised. Sometimes, for very specific reasons, one of them is time, um, but there are other good reasons too. You, you might set up a, a cross coverage, which is as it sounds, when one camera is pointing at one of them and one camera is pointing the other direction. Simultaneously. Uh, and you shoot them at the same time. Which makes it hard for the DP, but uh, Marshall Which does sometimes make it very difficult. It and it gives you a, a couple of challenges. Obviously, cameras can't see each other, so it, it, it slightly limits the choices that you have um, framing-wise. Personally speaking, uh, I don't remember actually if it was for time. I know that that, that we took a long time to getting the scene in, in certain ways, but this I, I can imagine that this was actually in the rehearsing of it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. ask that in did the rehearsing. Or, yeah, how long did you rehearse that scene? A while. There's so many beats in yeah. that scene, there, uh, and figuring out navigating through them. Yeah. And coming to that end in an authentic way was very important to Bob and me and Michael yeah. and Tom. So that's that's what I thought the rehearsal was. Not about. me. I didn't. Care. Tom did not care. <laughs> Tom was, said, "Fake it up." <laughs> it was um, one. So so I don't remember whether time played a factor. I know that this would have been because I know other times where I've used the cross coverage. This would have been a scene where I want. I, I would have pushed as hard as I could because it's a group decision you have to you know the DP mm -hmm. really is a key part of that as are the actors mm -hmm. but I would have pushed to do cross coverage in the scene no matter what the time was because there are so there was this is a scene of, of nuance like it's such a scene of nuance I saw you play different beats of the scene wildly different ways yeah we right. tried it a million ways yeah and so what you want to do what the advantage of cross coverage in that moment is if you do something different mm -hmm. That's going to make Bob do something mm -hmm. different, and that we may never get again because these are you are just the two of you doing that dance together is is each one is its own universe, and when you, I could have got two beautiful shots the same direction, but uh, I w we would have had to step back in time together, ask you or Bob to change the reaction you were currently having to match the take that we got two hours ago, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think much more important to have your 
action and Bob's reaction in that moment or vice versa mm -hmm. and be able to use both sides of that if possible. So that's yeah. what's in, went into That's what I remember that. it yeah. coming about. I mean, time yeah. very easily could have been a factor, but I feel like we were doing the rehearsals and everybody realized that um, this was a scene that there's a lot of stuff being played um, off the lines, between the lines, and on the lines. And by that mean, by that I mean, is your is your reaction um, and your intention matching your dialogue, or different than your dialogue to to tell not sarcasm as much as subtext, and then also things between the lines. And so what would happen? Because Jimmy is not sure if Kim is mad for a moment and then trying to navigate once he realizes she's mad and Kim is navigating for me I felt very much like the best possible thing she could do from the second she comes home and sees him actually playing guitar are you fucking kidding me is go to bed or I might kill you like yeah. I will leave you right now if I have to see your face or talk to you so she's trying to keep this lid on this pot that the flame is all the way up and um and it was incremental movements and bob uh and i uh, both enjoyed very much doing all the homework you could possibly do and then getting there and being open to well what if your scene partner decides to do a line that in your head they were going to do sincerely and they do it with a smirk on their face and it's like are you kidding me <laughs> it affects how you come back it affects when that argument actually starts it affects when we decide to be honest and then he would do an emotional turn or i would and it stops the other character cold because maybe you were going to say something very um snippy or heated but now they look vulnerable and you need to alter your reaction to that and so that's we kept doing that and that scene probably ha easily <laughs> Easily 25 to 30 of those moments. And I think and, cross coverage was the only way you were ever going to see both of them play vo volleyball. Just to be clear, and I could be wrong about this, the cross coverage is actually just, in their final position. Right. It's when the two characters get to the final position in the scene. I just, I just, mm. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't I want, seen it, so I don't, don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to leave our uh, listeners with the idea that there are cameras strung all over the set. <laughs> no, no, I, think that's, I, I was thinking the same thing. No, <laughs> no, I see. I'm the whole sorry. first I part. People then with no, no, not at all. But, but, but it's so there's different parts of the scene when, when, when Kim yeah. comes in, Kim goes to the bedroom, Kim comes to the kitchen, yes. and he follows her to the kitchen. That was not cross covered. It's the final exit, stop, turn. I see. Yeah, uh, I can't do this anymore. It's the, it's yeah. the, it looks like, oh my God, they're going to break up. Yeah. Right. She's, she's going to. And, and, you know, a lot of us here in the office were watching it and saying, God, you know, wish Kim should break up with sure. him right there. That's, it's. Um, Absolutely. It's so, sure. it's such a. And Jimmy, and he's way, earned it. the way Bob plays it, it's just, he's so devastated. <laughs> Right, because <laughs> he knows, he knows the way where this track goes. It's 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 beautiful. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful moment, and it's interesting. One of the things you sacrifice, and this is something Michael said already, uh, although I think it's harder to it's hard to visualize if you don't haven't been on a lot of sets, is that you're a little bit more outside the eye line. You know, you when you have you, when you're shooting one camera at a time, yeah. you can get right into the actor's gaze and have the actor look very close to camera. And it's oh. something you sacrifice when you try to cover both people at once. The scene I always think of for cross coverage is, uh, I think Tom might have told me that they did it this way, uh, in Heat, 
the big scene at mm-hmm. Kate Mandolini with uh, with with Pacino and De Niro. Mm-hmm. That is cross covered, and if you watch it, you can see. You know, if if you're Michael Mann is so meticulous, you say, well, why didn't he move the camera over a little? bit? I want to be yeah. kind of over there a foot, but there's something about capturing. Uh, the electricity mm-hmm. of the performance at that mm-hmm. moment in this in this in our episode, I'm leaving heat behind. That's another. I, I find this scene just absolutely racking and devastating. It's uh, it's, it's hard it, for it, the actors too because you're trying to stay in the moment. Yes. When somebody wants to do cross coverage, you realize oh they're putting performance over almost everything. They're trying to catch. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you what, but you, it's that, very hard to not get in each other's light. Um, yes, and be, and not get in each other's way and. Uh, you know, you you take a you take a half inch step to your right in some emotional turn of a line, and you've suddenly yeah, put a, cast a shadow yeah, on somebody's your somebody's nose shadow on your face, one hundred percent, or cover them entirely. So yeah. that's hard. Speaking of nose shadows, we're sadly totally out of time. But I I just I have <laughs> this to ask, is bullshit. Yeah, I, well, agreed. <laughs> I just have to I have to ask one more question, Michael, and I would extend this to anybody. Is there advice that you have as a as a director who? everybody here really admires um, for our, for our audience. Is, is there any advice that you have for, uh, you know, a, a first time director in television or, or somebody who's really cutting their teeth? Is there any, anything you've learned as a, as a, uh, as a, an exceptionally skilled and talented director? Well, thank you for, for saying all those things. I think it's hilarious that you asked me that question right after saying we're completely out of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've learned, um, I'll never stop learning, I hope, how to do things, to refine things. Um, Okay, you could talk for days, you could write thousands of books, and most of the words would be useless. Um, I think, be concise. That would be my, that's an honest piece of advice. I think, really, if I'm being concise, I think it's be alive, meaning meaning try and stay in the moment that you're that you're making i uh, i i've I've talked before on on this podcast about the importance of reading the script yes um which is something that 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 is easily not done everyone reads the script but really read the script give that script read as much devotion as you can give it and then learn what that means, what, what you're feeling as you read it. Just monitor yourself. That's, and then those feelings, if you can find a way to capture those in notes or in, in thoughts, or images, if that's how you work, capture them on a piece of paper, on a script. Because then you can be alive to those moments. Now, the, the second thing I would say is like three or four things. That's one, be alive. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's um, attached to be present. It's really, really hard when you're starting out as a director in any medium, I think to be present on set because uh, directing is, is a game of a thousand and one things being thrown at you all the time. Some of all of which are important and they come from left field and right field They're all over the place. And they, they, they need to be answered right away, whether it's costume stuff or location stuff or, you know, um, shot stuff or everything. You have to find a way to carve space to be present with the actors. I can't tell you the number of early rehearsals that I was running where I know I wasn't present. Mm. I was thinking about everything that I was doing badly, everything that wasn't going well, how much there was left in the day, all of that. Be present. Everything else can wait in the moment that you're there on set with, with, with your actors and your crew. Uh, third, be prepared. I really, really, it sounds obvious, it isn't. Really come, I think, this is how I do it, with a plan 
with with shots that you know are going to work with the story that is going to be told but just as important as being prepared is the last one i think which is be humble um you no matter how much you know about a scene you don't know what the scene is until you've worked it until the actors have shown you what it can be and 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 you've talked to your your people and you know those shots either hey great if the shots you drew you drew work that's fantastic but who, but they may not there may be a better one there may be a better one from the other side it may be better if the actors um uh, smiling instead of um instead of crying mm. you know be humble don't think that it's your job to know how to do everything that was unbelievable that was a, what an and what a, what a, a, an incredible and inspirational way to end the podcast. That was, thank you very much for sharing all that. I just want to say welcome back, Ed Bailey Jr. Oh, welcome yeah. back, yes. welcome back, Nigel Gibbs, uh, Detective Tim Roberts from Breaking Bad. Yes, and uh, Leela Lee, who played Lily, was a great, uh, just a great guest cast this great. this episode. Everybody did a great job, and our two prostitutes. Oh, they were amazing. They were, they were amazing. so funny. They were great. Um, I, w- I wish we had uh, Jerry and Lacey. Hours and hours to talk about this episode. It's so good. And 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 Diane Mercer, who who asked that question, she she has not stopped talking about how much she loves this episode. And 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 I know we all feel the same way. And uh, I, you know, I'm sure Ray, I'm sure you feel the same way. I can't wait to find out what <laughs> happens next. Right? This is crazy. Team Kim forever. <laughs> Um, Thanks, uh, Ray. Would you would you take us out with uh, a? I'm so uh, bad at this. Are people trying to do impressions of Bob? You, you I can do whatever you, you want. Do your own version. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Better call Saul. Yeah. <laughs>